0: Hi, everyone. Thanks for joining me this week on Tia Time. We'll get to the show in just a moment. First, I wanted to say thank you to all of you who have posted a rating on Apple Podcast. Apple Podcast is an app that can be downloaded to your phone or computer. The algorithm it uses allows more artists and art enthusiasts like yourselves to hear about the show. So if you haven't posted a rating yet, do it now. Thank you. On with the show. Welcome to Tia Time with Artists, the weekly podcast where we discuss the methods, challenges, and real-life experiences of living our creative dreams. What kind of creative warrior are you? Musician? Filmmaker? Painter? Choreographer? Poet? Sculptor? Fashionista? Let's talk about it right now. I'm your host, Tia Imani Hanna. Welcome to Tia Time with Artists. The guest is painter and the entrepreneur Cheryl Ambergy. Thank you so much for coming to the show today. It's so good to have you here.
1: Thanks for having me. I'm <laughs> excited.
0: <laughs> Part of the show is that we just talk to different artists about what was their journey. Like why was art one of the things that called you so much that you're actually doing it to make a living. What is it and what keeps you doing it? We try to inspire other artists to keep going. We try to inspire young artists to start. Yes. Uh, and then older folks who've never done it, who have time now, because maybe they retired, to go ahead and do it. So I'm going
1: to fit right in because I can talk about each one of those. <laughs>
0: okay, fantastic. So, well, let's start with some history. Tell us, are you from Michigan originally, or
1: did you yep, start I'm, in mid-Michigan area? Or... I'm from uh, Grand Rapids, Michigan. I was born in Grand Rapids, and then I went to Western Michigan University and graduated with a degree in art education. So I started in the education field and I did that for a little while. I worked for Kalamazoo public schools Mm. and then I got a chance to go out to Seattle where I taught pottery to kids. So that was really fun. And I was out there for about three years and then I moved to Jackson, Michigan, and that's where I'm at today. (laughs) Okay. Let's okay. So going way, way back. Oh yeah. Who Mm -hmm.
0: inspired you? Was it first grade art class? kindergarten.
1: That's the funny thing. Someone was just asking me that. It's not, it wasn't an art teacher. I didn't have a memorable art teacher, but I had a memorable fifth and sixth grade teacher. I had the same teacher for fifth and sixth grade. And I grew up poor, didn't Mm -hmm. have a lot. And the teacher would buy me art books, like artists, how to draw, and she'd hide them in my desk. So I'm like yeah so I would find them and it would say in there you're an artist and so having the 5th and 6th grade te- that my teacher then inspire me that way that's a big memory for me.
0: Oh that's amazing though. Who would have thought she must have seen something. Yeah. That she and, did that.
1: Yeah, and on top of that she was my favorite teacher and she was very artistic mm-hmm. and she would tell me about how when she was in college she wanted to be an art teacher and she just didn't want to do the extra credit. So she just became an elementary teacher. And so a little part of me, I think I wanted to fulfill, subconsciously fulfill her dream too, is Mm -hmm. to become that art teacher. So it was nice to have that inspiration coming from where I did come from.
0: How did you get from, like you were drawing with crayons and pencils and maybe charcoal at some point and
1: I started with crayons and stuff, and we didn't have paper. I know it's crazy, but in the 70s, you just didn't have pads of paper. So I would color on envelopes. Okay. So <laughs> I would do that, and then just crayons and drawing. And then in high school, I took uh, high school art, and that's when I got to start painting with acrylic paints. I got to work with ceramics, and then I knew I took every art class I could in high school.
0: Mm-hmm. And just figured out which ones were the ones that really called to your spirit.
1: Yeah. And at the time I didn't, I actually didn't have one particular. So I think going into education at that time was really great for me because I like to do everything and I still do to do a lot of things. I'm not just a strict acrylic painter. I like to work with spray paints and so mostly mixed media, but in college, crazy as it is, my emphasis in college was ceramics. Mm. So I would I worked with clay for a huge part of my college.
0: Okay. That gives you that three-dimensionality into your paintings because you're building those kind of elements into your paintings as well. Like, Do you pile paint with, like, some people use trowels or whatever, and they make like layers of paint and (laughs) things like that.
1: Yeah, sometimes if I'm working, especially if I'm working large, or I like to paint on wood sometimes, and I like to Mm -hmm. build it up with, like, kind of spackle. I'll okay. use spackle and on smaller canvases I'll use a modeling paste and I'll put a lot of texture in some of my work before I start.
0: Okay. It's it just seems like it's like playing in mud puddles yeah. or mud pies yes. and but it's paint and then you make these things but they last and, and that's, yeah. that's really fun. That's really yeah. fun. <clears throat> How did you come to the idea that this is definitely because when you're a kid? You're like, yeah, I want to do what this teacher did and it's really great. And you're going through high school and so like, I just really love art. I know at some point somebody was saying, but you have to feed yourself. How are you going to do that? Like, how did you combat some
1: of that? As, as crazy as it sounds, it took a divorce. It actually took, my husband left me and my kids. He's a great guy. We're friends today. But that it was a traumatic experience. And I started reading lots of self-help books. Mm -hmm. And I learned how to listen to my intuition and follow um, my spirit. And I started just being still and listening. And I have a crazy story. If you want me to tell you. Yes, please. (laughs) Okay. So, like I said, I was just learning about what my intuition was. And my spirit or the voices sometimes that you might hear. So I was going to um, the grocery store and it was the month my husband was finally leaving the house. And I went to the store to get bread and milk. And there's a Chinese restaurant in the same parking lot as the grocery store. And something kept saying to me, I just felt it. You should go to the Chinese restaurant. And I'm... I'm like, no, I have ten dollars. I need to go mm-hmm. get bread and milk. And it, I heard it again, and I thought, okay, lunch is only like four fifty. This was years ago, so when it was four fifty for a combo lunch meal. And I'm sure. like, okay, if I spend four fifty <coughs> and I give um, a tip, I'll have money to still get some. So I went to this Chinese restaurant and I sat by myself and I was eating, and there was three people behind me and they were talking about art. Now, Mm -hmm. at this point, I had been a stay-at-home mom for nine years, so my creativity came from having the best birthday parties I could throw my kids. Mm -hmm. That's where my creativity was put. It wasn't making art, and these people were talking about art, and I kept listening. I was eavesdropping, just stretching and listening, and they were getting up to leave, Mm -hmm. and something, this is probably the, maybe two times in my life, I heard an audible voice, and it said, if you let these people leave, you're going to miss a chance of a lifetime. Mm. And I'm like, oh my gosh. And they're getting up to leave. And then I'm saying, what do I, what do I do? I just can't say something to them. And it said it again. If I let these people walk out, I'll miss a chance of a lifetime. Mm -hmm. And so I stopped and I said, excuse me, but I was eavesdropping and you were talking about art and I'm an art teacher. And it happened to be at the time, someone who worked for the Ella Sharp Museum. Okay. I gave her my name. She was excited to take my name, number. And through that, I started working with the Ella Sharp Museum. And I started teaching. And so that's where it's a huge part of my life. And if I think if I wouldn't have listened to my spirit or whatever was happening that day, I would have missed a woman named Amy Wellington. Okay. Yeah. And so then I was able to, Work in the arts, and I hadn't worked in the arts for um, 10 years. And this, so my whole life just there's times in your life you think, Gosh, if that one to happen, where would I be? And if I wouldn't have met her, where would I be? That relationship that happened.
0: That is, that's fantastic. I know Amy very well. And, and she's been on this show before, too. So that that's fantastic. That's a great, a great story. Person. I didn't know that story. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So it, that was ha- the first day I ever met her was, yeah, me going, excuse me, I was eavesdropping on your conversation. <laughs> <laughs> I was so scared. But then I was able, when my um, husband um, left and I was able to start working for um, the Ella Sharp Museum and teaching and Amy gave me lots of um, freedom. Cause she could tell that I knew what I was doing. So mm-hmm. that was really wonderful to teach there for a while.
0: And then you just really got more solidified in your confidence. I would say.
1: I, I did. I did. And then I guess a lot happened through um, Ella Sharp museum because during that time I worked there, I met someone else. Her name was uh, Katie Baker. And at the time it was, it was Katie Hill, but she um, was the curator there. And she's the one that um, said, no, you're an artist let's you should start making art you should start making art so that was the that was a person in my life that made me realize that i was an artist
0: was it just oh i'm admitting it to myself or like a remembering it well
1: i i think that because this is what i feel like if you've gone to art school and you've went to art school or even mine was art education i don't have a masters in MBA, mfa but You learn so much about artists. You learn about Henry Rousseau and um, George O'Keefe and uh, Renaissance painters. And you learn about all these people. And you think to yourself, there's no way I could be like that. Mm. So it took a long time to even say I was an artist. I think coming from that, from that learning so much about artists that it was really hard to say I was an artist. So Mm. Yeah, I think that's the reason why. Because I know, like now, people are like, "Oh, I'm an artist," and I think, "Wow, that's so great!" You can just say you're an artist. It took me years, maybe even decades, to say I'm an artist. <laughs> well, but
0: you're, you're you're comparing yourself to people in the past, since at the time of their coming up, they were going through the same exact stuff. Amen. That's what. Yeah. You know? Yes. So, and, and realizing that they're just humans yep. that were going through the same stuff, George O'Keefe. I think she had a little, I don't know enough about her history, but she had a little bit where she could go and say, this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to go mm-hmm. to the desert and I have a studio and she could afford it somehow. Yeah. At that time it was dirt cheap and she could live there for a dollar a day. Yeah. Maybe she could do that uh, because of the time period and where she was living. You know, Big yeah, city she was had, bad.
1: she had some, she had area. someone in her, not her pocket, but she had a man named Alfred that helped her a lot. He was from New York city. Yeah, I admire her and I admire Henry Rousseau too, for the same reason that you just said, when he was making art, no one liked him Mm -hmm. and they didn't think he was an artist. So he even made a painting that gave himself like a blue ribbon, like he is a winner. Right, right, (laughs) right. Yeah, he did a self-portrait like that. So I was inspired by him too. Like Mm -hmm. when I decided, when I realized that I am an artist and it doesn't matter if I make art and no one likes it, it's nice when people like it cuz then they buy and I can continue what I'm doing. Right. But it's to to constant you have to remember to yourself to make art for you. And when you make yeah. art for yourself, it's your best art too.
0: It is. Yeah, it, it, is. it is. Yeah. Agreed cuz nobody has the same vision as you do. And being an artist as a leader if you have to work with other people. So sometimes if you've got a project and you're just doing it yourself, you can lead it everywhere you want to and it comes out how you want it or close. It's never exactly how you want it. Right. I know. (laughs) Pretty darn close. Right. And same thing with music. It's it's not exactly what I hear in my head, but it's close enough or sometimes it's better. And you're like, Hey, that's better than I thought it was going to be. But for me, usually I have to pull in other people to get all the the sounds together. and, Mm -hmm. And it's like trying to lead all those people into the vision that I have Is really tricky sometimes. So it's very tricky. Yeah. (laughs) You're like, no, you're not doing it right. Get out of here. You're gone. Next. (laughs) Yep. (laughs) Or, wow, that was great. That was better than I could have ever thought because your piece added so much more. And now let's go this way. But being able to lead that whole thing. So as a solo artist, as an entrepreneur, you're constantly doing that. So you've come to the point where you're secure in being an artist because you've Fought all that stuff you were talking about. So, in your mind, at some point, you must have had a thought that I am not an artist because what yeah. were the thoughts that you had as an art when you were saying, I'm not an artist? Why? What were the things that made you say that you weren't an artist?
1: Oh, I wasn't good enough. Okay. I wasn't good enough. And at the time, I would be teaching with the kids and I would make some art and I would hang it up with their art and then I would throw it in the garbage. Mm. And one day my boyfriend came to this a little bit later. I had a boyfriend um, came mm. and he is like, why is this in the trash? And I'm like, cause it's nothing. And he's, can I have it? And I said, sure. And the next time I came to his house, this brought me to tears is I went into his house and there was my painting. He had got a, it was a large painting. He had framed it. Mm. And it was the first time I ever saw my work framed. Wow. And I was like, oh, wow. And it's still hanging in my house today that our house, I married him. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) But but he was a huge supporter. And what takes that too, if you have people around you that support you. And so Mm -hmm. seeing my work framed, that was a help Mm -hmm. to into that direction. Because before that, it was like, my art's not good enough. Because, again, I was comparing myself to all the artists I had learned about in school that it just wasn't good enough. And then what happened, um, I had my first art show at Ella Sharp in their um, restaurant, The Greenery. And at that time, maybe people, I don't know, two or three or artists would sell maybe two or three items in there. I sold like 28 paintings. Oh, my God. I just think it was the universe telling me that this is the way to go. So I sold like I like 20 some paintings and then I also did an in-home party and I brought my art because I was making a lot of art and I sold like 20 more paintings. So in wow. a time of a month span, I sold like 50 paintings. Unbelievable. So I, yeah. So I think it was the universe going, just letting me know that this is the your direction. And I don't, I think maybe if I didn't have that experience, I wouldn't have had that confidence as quickly as I did.
0: Okay. So. I'm just thinking if I decided to start paying, which I have no intention of doing, but I'm always going to start, yeah. that would be one of the things I would do. I would assume that nobody's going to support me because my art has always been music. So I'm going to assume that nobody's going to support that thing. Mm-hmm. It may not be true, but I'm just saying this for discussion's okay. sake. Great. Then I would be like, okay, let me really practice my craft, learn as much as I can learn. And then, when I think I have something that's presentable to me, I'm going to frame it and put it on my wall. Mm-hmm. And then maybe have people come look at it and see mm-hmm. what the reactions are. Don't ask them, just have it there. Yeah. Yeah. And see what the responses are and then work from there just as a way of building my own confidence. Yes. Just case, I'm just saying for maybe for people who don't
1: have the support yep. network,
0: that might be a, a way to do it just based on what mm-hmm. you're saying.
1: Yeah. When you hang your art up, or like I said, that time it was framed. It just, it's, wow, I did that. And you're looking at it. I don't know. It just felt, it felt right. <laughs> mm-hmm. And yeah.
0: yeah. Um, that's very cool. All right. So you had a fantastic boyfriend who became your husband. Yes, yes. <laughs> who said, I'm going to Everyone- pull this beautiful art out of the trash because she just doesn't see how great she is. And, and my
1: kids, my kids, I have two gir- I have two daughters and, they think I'm great. So that helps too. <laughs> <laughs> well, it, It's, that's yes. fantastic.
0: That's fantastic. Yeah, that. For those people who are artists supporters, if you find something like that, you be the person that mm-hmm. pulls the stuff out of the trash. You're the person that says, Hey, look, this is great. You're the person that says, Hey, meet this art person connecting so, art people. It's just and, another way to, to make art happen.
1: Yep. And that's what I've been doing in the last five years. I've been in this business for over 10 years. Mm -hmm. And I'm pretty proud of myself that I was able to just keep it going. That's my main motivation is I like the freedom of the life that I've created for myself. I like that freedom. I make my schedule. I do all those things, but the, I liked having the, the freedom of, um, of what I'm doing. Five years ago, I opened an uh, area in my studio. That's a gallery and a gift shop. Mm-hmm. So like you were talking about the um, people that are just starting out, I would see somebody that I knew is artistic. And I would say, Hey, would you like the art show? And they'd be like me? And I'm like, yeah. And I think you're great. Let's, let's have an art show. So I was giving people art shows. And then with music and food and posters and telling them, no, you're an artist. So I did what you just said. I like, yeah. I did that. So for the last five years before COVID, so it'd be three years and then we hit COVID and you can't have a party. For yeah. Sure. But I was doing that. And so there's some people who went on to become re- really great in magazines. I have a friend that I gave her first art show and she pours like the ocean. She does like liquid pours and mm-hmm. she's she makes necklaces and they're all along the coast, the East coast and down in Florida. And huh. so to know that I, I'm not her motivator, but I was able to say, Hey, I think you, you are something, you are an artist. Let me have a, let me give you a show. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: No, that's tremendous. Where, where, where's your studio right
1: now? It is in Jackson, Michigan. So mm-hmm. I'm there and I have a studio space where I teach Kids starting at age two, okay, and through adult, and then earlier today you mentioned maybe retiree people who are who haven't had any art or are very like getting in the arts. I have a journal group of about sixty six ladies, and I help them do creative journaling, and mm. so they're they love it. I love it, and it's I'd say that more than half the people are maybe all retired. Yeah.
0: In that age group, what are they running into? Is it again that, oh, I'm finally getting time to do this or is it more of I'm doing this, but I'm really scared or I'm doing this and I just, because it's something to do.
1: I think it's, well, it's both. A lot of people come in and they want to um, do some art. They, they're, they always say, I'm not an artist. I'm not very good, but I used to like art. A lot of people say, and I hear this all the time, I had an art teacher that said I wasn't any good. And so I gave up art. I hear that a lot. Mm-hmm. And, but these ladies come in and they're just so excited to do something creative. A lot mm-hmm. of them are um, teachers. And I think being a teacher, especially you never give yourself any time because you're always doing for other people. Oh. And so I think now giving themselves permission to to do this for themselves. Yeah. And I in that journal group, I have two separate kind of classes. One is where it's all creative. And the other one is it's creative as well. But we talk about finding ourselves through self-care and we journal that. And yeah.
0: Talk a little bit more about that. So like self-care or how in relation to... Being an artist, what kinds of things does an artist need to do for self-care? Do you think?
1: Yeah, I. Time for yourself. I have I take time every Monday. I take time for myself. My mom always pushed that on me growing up and she always said, you need a day to yourself. You need a day to yourself. And then I always thought it was impossible, but I do. Mondays are mine and I get to do whatever I want. That helps me centers myself to be by myself and to do whatever, whether it's take a bath, go for a walk, watch five hours of Netflix, whatever. That helps me is to have that time to myself.
0: I'm sure that everybody has a different spin on that from the, in the group when they talk mm-hmm. about this in their journal. Yeah. Um, yep. So what kinds of things, the, my self time, the self time is of course very important, but in general in all your classes, like what kinds of things do you teach people to perfect their crafts?
1: For a long time, I uh, would try to think about what other, what let's say, what other people need or what they want to do. Meaning like someone will say, oh, I would really like to learn watercolor. So I would have a watercolor class and then like maybe one person would come. So what I ended up doing is I, I teach everything from drawing to painting, mixed media. and But I do everything that I want to do. It's kind of kind of crazy. I teach so many new things because I like to learn new things myself. Mm -hmm. I help people learn about painting, color theory, all different techniques um, to use different brushes, palette knives, the kids drawing. So everything, what it was when I was in college, I did everything. And that's Mm -hmm. kind of what I do now. The only thing I don't teach, ironically, is pottery, which that was my emphasis in, <laughs> in um, school. And I taught at a pottery school, but I don't do that because I don't have a kiln. And I, that's just what, I don't have that yet, Sure. but I teach um, kind of everything really. Mm. Yep.
0: What are your class sizes like? Like How um, many students do you have at a time?
1: I have about 10 or less. Okay. You know, once in a while, I'll put 12 people in, the, in my space, but I like a smaller group so that Mm. I can help everyone. And it's just, it's better than like 24 or 30 people. And I just like to have a smaller class. Some classes, the little kid classes, I only let um, have six kids because then we have parents in here too. Mm. So my journal group, we have about, like I said, we have 66 people. We do a class twice a week and I can only allow 10 people. So- 10 people in a class. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
0: I've talked to so many musicians specifically and they cannot get their studios full of students. <clears throat> so what are you doing? That's different. What's the entrepreneurial part that you're doing is okay. getting well, this many students.
1: When I um, first started, I read a book and I couldn't tell you, I couldn't tell you what book it was, but I read a book and this woman said, the best thing you can do for yourself is to build brand, build, make it about you and relationships. So 10 years ago, when I started, my most important thing was to let people know who I was. Not that I was a place that taught drawing animals to children. It was a place where Cheryl Ambergie taught. So that was a big thing for me is to build my brand and to, to get my back before there was followers, but to get the followers right. so that's what this woman said and it was just a small little booklet that I read and so that's how I started as I started building I gave away too so much like art my art for free mm-hmm. I'd be like hey do this and win this and I gave a lot of art away but that's how I started and so when people a lot of people when they come to me someone has told them about me hmm That's where I started, I do advertising like on Facebook and stuff, but Mm -hmm. you can't advertise in the newspaper anymore. Like, where do you advertise? A lot of my stuff comes from Facebook and the word of mouth Mm -hmm. and building, building my brand, building who I was and what I um, could give people.
0: That's great. Uh, And this is all stuff that I don't know when you were taking these classes in school, did they ever talk about any of this stuff?
1: No, none of it. Nothing. Mm-hmm. Nope.
0: Yeah. So it's like a lot of trying to figure these things out.
1: Well, and because honestly, in school, you're even though you're going to, to art, when you're taking the art classes and stuff, it never was you can make you can have a full life and a career in the arts. It was always so growing up, it's like the arts was like a hobby. It wasn't mm-hmm. a place to make and you still hear people because my daughter's in art school right now. And people will say, well, what is she going to do for a living? Right. (laughs) Yeah. So it's everyone thinks that you can't make money in the arts, but you actually can um, Mm. make money in the
0: arts. (laughs) Yeah. It's so ingrained, I believe, in the American culture that art is for fun and it's a hobby. And unless you're a famous rock star, you're never going to make a living at it and don't even try. Right. And and, and, or if I'm going to hire you, then you, it's something you enjoy. So of course you're not going to charge me that much money for it. Or <laughs> there's that whole thing. And I've never been able to figure out how to get past that other than these are my rates. And, oh,
1: that's, you know. Yeah. That's the whole thing about that too, is like the, I never put my art. I g- I'll give my art away, but I won't put it on sale. If someone says, oh, will you take less for that? I'll always say no. Mm -hmm. However, um, once a year or every other year, I have a auction Mm -hmm. and I'll auction my art off and then you can get a little bit of a deal then with my work. And I have an auction going on right now, too. (laughs) (laughs) This is the time I have it going on. But yeah,
0: I think a lot of artists that I've spoken to, it's really hard at first to figure out, even if you're really good at what you do, to get that business sense of this is how much it's worth Yep, and then you say, "What is the market going to pay?" And then trying to set your thing. Whereas I need this, even if mm-hmm. the market's here, I still need this. How do I get that? Right.
1: But um, that's hard when people don't know who you are, because mm-hmm. a lot of times people will buy a piece of art because somebody made it, instead of going, "Oh, I really like that art. I'm going to spend three hundred dollars on that." A lot of people will spend $300 or $500 or, you know, more if they know the artist mm-hmm. or if mm-hmm. the, yeah. So, but with the internet now and the way TikTok and all these places that these people are making a lot of money selling that way. Yep. Yeah. But it's hard in the beginning to price your art because people will come to me too and say, how much should I price this for? And I think to myself, maybe not the same as I'm pricing mine because I've been doing this for 10 years. Mm -hmm. So something that I may have um, priced at $60 10 years ago is $350 now. Right. (laughs) Right. That I just often tell them that I tell them the ways to price it. I price mine by size. Mm -hmm. And then, so it's like a base price. So if I make something, even if I spent more time on it, it's still a base price, that size. And then I just keep it the same across the board. And then when I make, I'm making more money, then I will increase it. Mm -hmm. So, but I keep only, that's the easiest way for me to do that.
0: I find that similar. It's, uh, there's a certain amount of time that's spent and the years of experience that you're getting with me as an instrumentalist, as a, a composer, the quality of my work is going to be, it's already at a higher level than you're going mm-hmm. to get with somebody who's just starting out. You're not going to pay me the same as somebody who's just starting out because I've got all these years of experience and my skills are really high. So then I base it on that. And then I say, okay, then I look at what's the market bearing. And then mm-hmm. I say, and I talk to other people who I feel like that I'm in a similar level. Yeah. With. And I mm-hmm. say, I'll just ask them, how much do you charge for that? Mm-hmm. Cause I don't want to undercut. no. You know? Right. Um, and the young, a lot of young artists have no concept of this at all. So they'll undercut you in a second and they'll get the gig. But that means the next gig that I go to, I can't get the price that I need.
1: Mm-hmm. So I can't
0: do it for less than this because mm-hmm. it, all the time and energy involved in getting there or hiring my people or whatever it is.
1: You, it rings true when you said your all your experience. And, and that's something that like as an artist, when people look at your work, they just face value and they don't realize that you had 30 years of learning or however long you've been learning your craft. And Mm -hmm. they don't see that. Not everyone. Some people do, but yeah. Yeah. Yep. And I love how sometimes if you're at a festival selling, people come in your booth and go, oh, I can do that. And I'm thinking, yeah, with like 30 years of experience or 10 years of experience and Mm -hmm. a lot of money, but.
0: You know, it's just, I I guess I'm just talking about it as a For our audience, these things come up for everybody Yes, uh, and don't think you're out there alone because we all are dealing with this stuff on different levels and different genres even. You're still dealing with that same stuff. So really the key here is to really think about what do you need, already have in your mind, what you're going to say yes to and what you're going to say no to. Yep. Um, and then have some basic levels, and then after that. then there's always room to to maneuver.
1: Yeah, I often when things like that come up, I just sit with myself and think, okay,, uh, do I want to say yes to that, even though um, it's less money, right. or do I just say no? And so I just kind of have to sit with it and decide which way I should go with with that with like classes or, Something like that. Like I said, I don't really lower my um, price on my art, but I do lower myself on like my teaching. If people maybe don't have the money or something like that. And yeah, I'll do that. But right, and
0: I'm sure it all depends on the situation because there's (laughs) always, I think it's the thing that I I guess the the hardest one to talk to other artists about is when people say, oh, this will be good exposure for you. And oh my I gosh always, <laughs> that
1: <laughs> sentence <laughs> yeah, yeah yes yes, can I have a five hundred dollar painting and put it in my auction? It'll be great exposure for you yeah, yeah. It doesn't no no yeah no it doesn't <laughs> we all can relate to that one. We've yes. all had that. I had to start um giving myself a, a number in my head that I would donate a year mm-hmm. and and do that but just all. And that's the thing too. Sometimes I don't understand is that they, people will come in and let's say they want you to do a gig and like you said, for exposure. And if you said to them, I would love you to do something for me, but you have to give me two days of your pay. That's what it, that's what it is. That's what it is. Like when I give a $500 painting to someone, that's, that's a lot of time. That's like me saying, okay, can I have half your check this week? Right. So you donate half your check. That's wait a minute. That
0: doesn't. No, it doesn't. They don't equate time with money for whatever reason. It's I have performed now this, there's a situation I performed. It was with a world renowned person. I, I guess I'm not going to say the name just because, mm-hmm. but, and it was a great experience. And the reason I said yes to it was because it truly was exposure, yeah. but, and I also wanted to prove to myself that I was at a level that I thought I was, but I wasn't mm-hmm. sure. Because there was no way to, nobody says you're at that level. Right. So this was a way for me to test if I was at that level. And I definitely was. But the thing about it was they could have at least given me, give me a hundred bucks. Oh, I know. It was yeah. free. That was a whole day, a whole night. I did a, a swag whole show. bag. Did
1: you get a swag bag? <laughs> no,
0: we got nothing. We got no. nothing. And I said, and yeah, it was exposure, but only locally. Yeah. And even then there wasn't really any exposure because we couldn't videotape it. So I can't show it to anybody. So how much exposure was it? Pretty much none. None. Mm -hmm. If you weren't there, you missed it. So all these years later, I have gotten nothing out of that other than my self-satisfaction that I was at this level. But when you really weigh that Exposure mm-hmm. thing. And that was like the, and this is after what 40 years of doing this. Mm-hmm. Well, I, I still was thinking, oh, exposure. <laughs> right. Know, it's that same sentence again. <laughs> <laughs> you know? So I was like, okay. <laughs>
1: So for once
0: and for all, it's no, it's not about exposure. The only, I think the only, at this point, the only gig that would be a real true exposure is if I'm on some international thing where the entire world gets to see me do my thing. That's exposure. Yeah. Because then they're like, who is that from everywhere? There's video forever where everybody can see it forever. That's exposure. That's exposure.
1: Yeah, but that but if, that small moment for the audience that you performed for—that's all the exposure you got.
0: <laughs> yeah, exactly, yeah. and yeah. nothing came from that. Nothing. Yeah. So it's okay. <laughs> yeah,
1: I'm doing a um this summer. I had to think about the same thing where I'm going to go teach at um I teach here during the summer, but someone asked me to come to their camp and be the art in their camp, and I know that I make more money in my own space and doing something for a short amount of time. But I did think there's, I'm going to be like 275 kids. And I thought, Oh, I think I would like to do that. I, so that's mm-hmm. what I do. Sometimes I'll still do stuff like that. Not I'm, I'm getting paid though. Mm-hmm. I am getting some money <laughs> and a free lunch. So you didn't yeah, get your swag bags. Yeah. And plus, so I'm I doing got, that I got a free year. dinner. <laughs> I got a free yeah. dinner. So that. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I'm gonna, I'm doing that this summer and I'm excited about it. So I think sometimes if I just have to decide if it's worth it or not. And, but yeah, this time this year, I thought it would be fun to, to do that for three days.
0: It, it is really nice to be able to have the freedom to mm-hmm. say
1: certain That's, things. Yep. Yep. going to think this that,
0: because I can, and yep. it'll be and good I, for the people. Cause I know one of the things that I do is I do gift some things mm-hmm. every year yeah. that are really, li- they're like, it's maybe 10 or 15 people there. It's, but it's for a good cause kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And I'll just go and I'll do my little thing. I might do 10 minutes of something and just mm-hmm. be there and just say, hey, you can do this too. And then go. It's usually for a youth thing. Yeah. And that's it. So I, I donate and nobody knows about it. It's not, it's, oh, I'm, it's more about what can I do for this small group of people that maybe that'll inspire them to do some, make some music or yep. something.
1: So I get that,
0: but the and freedom I,
1: to be able to decide that is nice. Well, the, And I, th- I think that's like my biggest, now that I'm older, I don't think it was my motivation when I was young, but I'm over 50 now and mm-hmm. having the freedom, that's one of my biggest motivators of what I do is mm-hmm. to have that freedom of I can work when I want and do what I want. And I'm even getting older to the point where, like I said, I stopped doing what everybody else wants me to do. And I started doing everything I want to do. And life is so much better. Yeah. And the and I can tell that the people enjoy classes better instead of me doing, I just, yeah, do everything that I want to (laughs) do.
0: So like so when someone comes to class say the first day you just decide that day what you're gonna do or you just lay out the whole semester um, of classes or how do you do
1: that? The way I do classes, I'm just uh, the one businesswoman and an artist so when I first started traditional classes where you um take a drawing class that's six to eight weeks mm-hmm. that's a normal that's what I thought I was going to do because that's the way it's always been mm-hmm. and so, I started that and then I would have two people in class. And Mm. so for six to eight weeks, I had to teach two people. And with, and that I would already set up what we were doing. Okay. And okay. And then it didn't work out for me financially because how am I going to pay for this studio and how am I going to do that? So I only teach class. I teach, you come for one class. It's a longer class. It's not like a 45 minute class. It's a two hour or a three hour class. Okay. Some of the classes are one and a half hours um, for the little kids and the little ones are half hour. So I have to sit down and look at this season. I do it by season. So I'm getting ready to look at the summer. Okay. So I will figure out my whole summer and what each class is mm-hmm. and what I'm going to do. And so I do that, but with my journal class and I, again, I do everything that I want to do. So I want to teach the kids this, or I, and sometimes I want to learn. I'm really good at um, learning fast Mm -hmm. so I can pick something up and I can teach it. And I can't like bring you to a mastery level in it, but I can show you how to do something and to get started and to take Mm -hmm. it from there. So I, I plan my stuff out except the journal class. I don't plan it. I say, come to class. You have two hours, bring your journal work in your journal. And then I also have a lesson. If you want to do the lesson, you can, if you don't have to. So I set it up that way because I didn't want my journal group to become rigid and, and make it and make me feel like, oh, I got to get that. And I got to do that. And I so I just decided that the day before I think, huh, what would I like to learn? Or what would I like to teach? And I just do it. <laughs> okay that's fantastic but yeah i have to plan out my um life like right now i'm getting ready to plan out for the next three months of my life and then okay. yeah
0: no that's great it sounds like jazz so
1: yeah <laughs> yeah
0: that's that i do workshops and things and that's how i do them i'll know basically what the group that i'm shooting for mm-hmm. uh, who shows up is always completely different <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah. and we just work with the people in the room and mm-hmm. We do something that seems like it's going to light their eyes up. And once I find it, we go with it. Start with, I have one base thing that I might start with. And then it gets everybody clicked in on the same page. And Mm -hmm. then after that, we can just play. Uh, So it sounds like that. It sounds like that's what you're doing with your artwork and uh, and your teaching. So where can people find you online and find your classes and
1: everything? Yeah, I have a website, essaarts.com. And a lot of um, my content is on Facebook. So um, if you go to Essa Arts on Facebook, you'll have all my events, classes, all the things that I've been doing. I have 10 years of content on Facebook, so you can go back and see everything that I've done. Yep, that's about, and I have an Instagram too. So um, yeah, I'm on Instagram too. Essa Arts is on Instagram and Facebook.
0: Is there anything else that you want to, in part to the people about making art before we sign off today.
1: Just do it. And even if it's, and it doesn't have to be perfect. That's a huge thing. Just do it, feel good doing it. And if you have in the arts, if you have um, goals and, and dreams, great, start following them. And it's okay too, that if you have those dreams and then all of a sudden, you don't want to do that and you want to go off in a different way with your art. It's okay. And you haven't failed by not reaching that goal. So it's okay to uh, change things up. And that's important because along the way you just, I know I have felt like, Oh, if I stop doing this, I'll fail. That means I failed. It doesn't mean I failed. It just means I'm off to something new. Mm-hmm. So just, yeah, don't wait for the perfect time. Just start.
0: Thank you, Cheryl. Thank you so much for being on the show. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for joining us this week on Tia Time with Artists. Make sure to visit our website at tiaviolin.com, where you can subscribe to the show and never miss an episode. Please leave us a rating at iTunes Podcast or wherever you listen to podcasts. We really appreciate your comments, and we will mine them to bring you more amazing episodes. I would like to thank this season's sponsors. Michigan Art Share, a program of Michigan State University Extension, is a partner in supporting the Tea Time podcast, and Greg Hill's Cold Plunge Records. Without their support, this podcast would not be possible. Thank you so very, very much. If you would also like to contribute to the show, you can find us on www.patreon.com forward slash One. That's Tia Time, the number one. To continue the conversation about topics discussed on this show or start new ones with like-minded people, join us at the Tia Time Lounge on Facebook. Thank you for listening. See you next week at Tia Time. Thank you for joining us this week on Tia Time with August. Make sure to visit our website at tiaviolin.com, where you can subscribe to the show and never miss an episode. Please leave us a rating at Apple Podcasts to expand the reach of the show. We really appreciate that help. And we'd also like to say thank you so very much to our sponsors, Michigan Art Share, a program of Michigan State University Extension, and Cold Plunge Records. And also all of our Patreon supporters. We couldn't do it without you. Thank you. We'll see you next week at Tea Time.